0: Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha, Nebraska. Great to be with all of our listeners again today. So thankful to have this opportunity to open up God's Word, to dig deeper into it together, you and me, and to be able to learn a little bit more and grow in our faith, grow stronger in our faith. Because as we keep emphasizing, the Scriptures themselves tell us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So it is really Pivotal that we be in God's Word on a regular, consistent basis. It's no wonder that the Apostle Paul wrote in Second Timothy two and verse fifteen to study or be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And that Word of truth is God's Word. John seventeen and verse seventeen, Jesus said, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." John 8 and verse 32. So we here at Search the Scriptures, the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, we really want to help people learn God's Word more thoroughly, more accurately, more effectively, so that they can make the proper applications to their lives. We encourage you to come and be with us in person if you're in the Omaha area. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, good time to get our spiritual batteries recharged. We come back together and at 6.30 each Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We hope to meet you soon. Come and check us out. Get to know us. Let us get to know you. Many of our radio listeners have done that, continue to do that. Many have stayed with us for years. We would love to meet you and let you get to know us. So we hope to see you soon. Now, we're going to begin a new line of study, we're going to be talking about something that I touched on in one of our, uh, one of our series of lessons some time back. We're talking about some heart troubles, heart troubles. I'm not sure that a lot of people understand the seat, the seat if you want to think about that, S-E-A-T, or the, the basis for a lot of problems that we see in our lives, our personal lives, but also in our country today in our nation, and even around the world. A whole lot of people, they, they point fingers, they lay blame on other people, on circumstances, and all of that. But a whole lot of those problems, a whole lot of those difficulties, the bad choices, the bad behavior, the self-destructive lifestyles, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. We need to understand that. And, and Jesus even brought that out pointedly and we read that more than more than once in the new testament scriptures uh, our heart it's it's key it really is and so in acts chapter 5 in verse 3 for example we look at what was stated there as the church was getting well it was in its early days of existence after it had been established on pentecost now notice in chapter 5 verse 3 peter in dealing with Ananias and Sapphira, who had lied not only to Peter as one of the apostles in the early church there in Jerusalem, but Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. But notice what he says here, the, frame, the framing of that particular lying, a decision to lie in the part of Ananias. He said, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. So where did that lie come from? Peter said, well, okay, Satan was the instigator, but how did it develop within the life of that particular man who had become a Christian? He had become a Christian. Peter says, it's from your heart. Satan filled your heart with this lie. And you simply went along with it, he influenced you to the point where yeah, you, you put it into practice. You told this lie. So we need to understand that it's not just something that we can always point fingers at, uh, some outside source, some reason that doesn't lay any blame on us particularly. But no, it's, it's a matter of our own heart. We have heart problems. A lot of us. Now we know what that means from a physical perspective. All kinds of of medical disorders that have to do with the heart. But uh, we could think about somebody having a heart attack, somebody having a stroke, somebody having blockage in their in in their their blood vessels uh, surrounding the heart. We can talk about different technical heart problems like myopathy and and and. Uh, myelitis and and so on. But we're we're talking about from a physical perspective there. And we understand when there's a problem with our heart, our physical heart, we've got a problem and we need to pay attention to it. We need to not just, oh, we need to not just try to ignore it and think, well, it's going to be okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get casted. It's going to get better. No, we need to recognize that we need to go to the doctor. We need to see the right kind of physician, and probably we need to get on some medication that is specific toward correcting that particular physical problem within our bodies. Well, when we're talking about behavior, when we're talking about action words that we use the way we be, the way we act the things we do again we're looking at a problem that is based in our heart now we're not talking about the physical heart we're talking about we're talking about uh, really that that is kind of metaphorical in a sense it's, it, it's talking about the seat of our conscience our thinking our emotions, our our soul even, our spiritual being within our physical bodies. Now, what does Jesus say in Matthew chapter five and verse 19? Well, let's go back a little before that. Verse 18, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. Now, Jesus was dealing with some critics here or challengers talking about, uh, you know, some, some outward physical actions, but, he, but Jesus responds by saying, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Now, frankly, I, I like to make sure that I wash my hands before I eat, I think, hygienically, that is a wise course of action to take. But that's not what's going to make me a sinner. What Jesus is saying there, the evil things, the ungodly things, the unrighteous matters that people take part in, he says they come from the heart. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Now, some people might kind of scratch their head and say, well, I'm not sure I understand how that comes from the heart. Again, we're not talking about that muscle in our chest that pumps blood through our circulatory system. We're talking about the seat of our conscience, our emotions, our values, our spiritual being. How are we conditioned when it comes to righteousness or unrighteousness, to godliness or ungodliness? How have we conditioned our thinking and our actions when it comes to living a moral life or living an immoral life? All of that has to do, all of that comes from the heart, Peter, uh, Jesus says. So we need to make sure that our heart is right, so that we can live right, if you want to kind of just break it down on, on that simple basis of, you know, that simple statement of a basis there. If our heart is not right, we're not going to live right before God. We're not going to live right before our family. We're not going to live right before people around us, friends and associates and so on. So we need to make sure that our heart is right. And that's important for us. So, heart problems. Now, one particular heart problem that I want us to deal with today, and in this particular series of studies, is fear. Fear. Why does a person fear? Do you realize that, that fear can be crippling? It can even be paralyzing? Well, are you afraid of something? What is it that you're afraid of? Sometime back, one issue of our English Dictionary listed 30 different phobias. Phobias is, is a fear of something that can be rather crippling or debilitating for per, a particular individual. Yeah, some, some people, are they have a phobia of spiders. I don't know the technical identification for that, the word that describes that, but they're, they're so afraid of spiders, they just cannot be around spiders. Now, frankly, I don't like to be around spiders, but it doesn't paralyze me if I see one. Some people have a phobia of being out of their home in public among people outside the house. That's a phobia that certainly can be paralyzing and debilitating to an extreme degree in their life, their lifestyle. How do you how do you live life? How do you take, you know do what you need to do, to conduct business, get food, and on and on and on, you would become withdrawn. Now, we used to call that a person like that. Uh, we'd, we'd, we'd liken them to somebody who would go out in, in, a, in the mountains someplace all by themselves or out in the woods someplace far away from public, far away from people living on their own by themselves. We used to call those hermits. But there are people living in big cities like that right now. They won't go out of the house because they have this phobia, they have this fear of being outside the house and among people. Well, again, some time back, the English Dictionary listed 30 different phobias. Well, according to one alphabetized list available today, a list of phobias that have been enumerated and identified and defined the number far exceeds 30 that was listed in that earlier published dictionary. I started going through those, reading about them, and noting them. I stopped counting after the C's. <laughs> you understand the letter C being the first letter in whatever that, that word was that identified that particular phobia. I stopped counting after the C's, and that list had already reached well over 100 different phobias. We have a culture that has a whole lot of fear couched within it. Now we're a society that is highly advanced technologically, and while we pride ourselves on being fairly sophisticated technologically and intellectually, skill-wise, we still carry with us a great many fears. While phobias are extreme expressions of fear, just common, ordinary fear by itself can be crippling, literally paralyzing. You've heard of people, maybe you've experienced it yourself, who found themselves in some particular situation, and it might be being threatened violently, somebody, you know, mugging them, holding a gun to their head and robbing their wallet or their purse, or it might simply be, you know, they're all of a sudden called to account for something and 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 they're so afraid they're so frightened they're just paralyzed they can't move they can't even speak fear of rejection many for many people they don't allow they don't apply for certain jobs they will live in a semi destitute manner of life or style of life because they're afraid that if they apply for that job any job they'll be rejected so they don't apply and they suffer the consequences and those consequences can be extreme for the same reason others never try to develop relationships that they really would love to have with some other people but they're afraid they fear being rejected by those other people so they don't even try to form those relationships for fear of, for fear of humiliating some people or humiliating themselves, rather, some people never do anything, even good things that might make them stand out in a crowd. They're afraid that trying to do something that would be significant that other people might recognize. Now, that may not be why they they would try to do those things, but they start to calculate in their mind's eye, well, you know, if I do that and I fail, other people are going to look down on me. They're going to criticize me. They're going to laugh at me. I'm going to be humiliated. And so they don't try to do anything that would be of significant accomplishment. Fear of failure has been identified as the father of failure. When you don't try to do something, whatever that is, <laughs> you say, I don't want to try to do that. No, I'm afraid I'll fail at it. Well, fear of failure has been identified as the father of failure. For fear of failure, never, many people never endeavor to do things of which they are not absolutely certain of success, even though they may have a longing to do those things. They're afraid they'll fail, so they don't, do, they don't even attempt to do it. Because of fear of failure, the one talent man in Matthew chapter 25 did nothing. With what was entrusted to him, and he was condemned for it. I want to read that text by way of illustration what we're talking about. The fear of failure will lead to failure. In Matthew chapter 24 25, beginning with verse 24, well, I want to go back to the beginning of the, the parable. Now understand, a parable is probably simply a story that is developed in the mind's eye of the teller of that parable. In this case, in the parables of the New Testament, we're talking about Jesus being the one who tells these parables. He, he lays out these parables. Probably, they're simply stories that Jesus makes up by way of illustrating a particular lesson or a point. Now, the parables that he lays out, maybe they really were true stories, we're not told. They're labeled as parables, but they're true to life in that they could be real. Probably they're made up by way of illustration, by way of teaching, using an illustration to make a point, to get a lesson across, but they're, they're so realistic that we can relate to them as saying, yeah, I understand that. That, that certainly can happen in life. Well, beginning with verse 14. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven. Now, again, what, what's the real focus here? It's not the life experience necessarily. It's He's talking about our spiritual lives. He's talking about eternity, about salvation, and so on. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Now, who's the man traveling to a far country? Jesus? Because shortly after he laid out this parable, he was going to be on the cross, and then in the tomb, and then risen, and then ascend back to heaven. So he's going to be gone. He's gone now from this earth in physical form until the final day of judgment, and then he's coming back to call all to account. Second uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So he's coming back to call all of mankind, all of humanity from all time to account for how we've lived our lives here on this earth. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Now, who are the servants? His followers, Christians, true Christians, faithful Christians. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. So we as Christians are entrusted with the gospel of Christ, with God's word, and we're supposed to be doing the good works that God has prepared for us to be doing that Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. He writes about also in in Titus chapter 2 and chapter 3. So Jesus, or this, this master of the house, he gives talents. Talents would have been a sum of money. And he gives to each one d- three different servants according to his abilities to deal with that particular sum of money. So then he, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made five other talents. So he used what was entrusted to him wisely and made a profit for his master while his master was gone. And likewise, he who had received two talents gained two more also. So he was faithful to, his, to the trust that his master had put in, in him. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. He did nothing. He dug a hole and put it in. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, enter into the joy of your Lord, that's going to be the final pronouncement that we can look forward to as faithful followers of Jesus on judgment day. Enter into those gates of heaven. He who also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. He did not want to lose what his master had entrusted to him, but he did not perform the task. He feared messing up. And his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and, it, and by coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to, the, to, to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and, and, and he will have abundance. Then from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. I think that's a description of eternity in the condemnation of hell. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How sad. Why did that third servant, who had been entrusted with only one talent, but he had been entrusted with that? He had the ability to handle that much. Why was he condemned? Because he did not act as he should have out of fear, out of fear. Fear can be crippling it can be paralyzing. And it really has that kind of application in a whole lot of people's spiritual lives. They fear they cannot be faithful Christians, so they never become Christians. We'll dig deeper next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us, help us to overcome fear, the kind of fear that will keep us from living the life that you want us to live the kind of fear that will keep us from being faithful to you in active, productive ways. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.